entertaining out-of-town guests would normally be a big part of life this week, either entertaining out-of-town guests or being an out-of-town guest or gathering in large family gatherings, but 2020, but COVID. According to one poll, about 50% of those people who would normally travel out-of-town, out-of-state for Christmas are not traveling this year for Christmas. And it's going to be a different Christmas for many of us. Uh, traveling and entertaining out-of-town guests is not only a major part of the way we experience Christmas, but it's also a major plot device in most Christmas movies. Uh, some of our favorite Christmas movies, movies involve, they hinge on out-of-town guests coming and disrupting the normal rhythms of life and, and bringing their idiosyncrasies and oddness right to, to our own home or, or taking ours to their home. Home Alone, for instance, the whole thing hinges on the fact that the McAllister family has 15 out-of-town guests gathered in their home. They're getting ready the next morning to leave for Paris, this giant family trip to Paris. I don't know what families can afford to take 15 family members to Paris. Not mine, but nonetheless, the McAllister family in this big luscious house are getting ready to go to Paris together as a family. And because there's 15 extended family members all gathered there, poor little Kevin is relegated to the third story in an attic on a sleeper sofa. And in the morning when the power's gone out and the alarm clocks don't go off and the family's making a mad dash to get out of the house, spoiler alert, poor little Kevin gets left behind and is left home alone. And that sets up the whole rest of the movie. And it all happens because they've got all these out-of-town guests at their house at Christmas. An elf, Buddy the Elf, is the most bizarre and unusual out-of-town guest to come. And he comes from the North Pole down to Manhattan seeking to find his father who doesn't even know he exists. And he's walking around Manhattan looking just like this bizarre and unusual. It's hysterical if you haven't seen it. And... And he's the most unusual of all out-of-town guests. And even at one point in the movie, he ends up sleeping on his dad's sleeper sofa, like most out-of-town guests do. Even the Griswolds had Cousin Eddie. And that's all I'm going to say about that. And we are in the, the third week, uh, the final week, rather, of our Advent series, The Weary World Rejoices. And we've looked at Mary. We've looked at Joseph. We've looked at Herod. And this week, we're going to look at the Magi, who are the original out-of-town guests who came crashing the first Christmas. Everyone else at the scene is local. Everyone else at the scene was able to come there within short distance. But the Magi are the strange, they're the original, bizarre, idiosyncratic, goofy, out-of-town neighbors, or out-of-town family members, visitors who come to visit at their very first Christmas. And this morning, as we look at this passage, we're going to look at what, they're, what they bring with them to the first Christmas. Why are they there and what is it that they bring to us as we celebrate Christmas in a year like 2020? Uh, we're going to look at Matthew chapter 2. We read these verses, some of these verses last week. The story of the Magi is interwoven with the story of Herod. And so last week we read some of these verses looking at Herod. And this, this week we're going to read the rest of the story as we see the Magi come into the fold of the story. And as we turn to the scriptures, uh, let me pray for us. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for families uh, that gather at a time like this. And we thank you for... Uh, this chance to gather as an extended family in this place. As we open up your word, would you speak to us again? Would we hear your, your voice speaking to us through, through the words of Scripture? Warm our hearts. Challenge us. Draw us closer to you, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Matthew chapter 2, beginning of verse 1, it says, After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. 
And when King Herod heard this, he was disturbed in all Jerusalem with him. Now there's something happening here. This whole story, the whole Christmas story is full of surprises. The pregnancy is a, certainly a surprise to Mary and to Joseph. The pregnancy of Elizabeth and Zechariah was also a big surprise to them, the, the parents of John the Baptist. The shepherds were surprised by the angels. Herod was certainly surprised by the announcement of the Magi. But the Magi are in particular a surprise in the story. They don't quite fit in any way with this story. And if we, think about the, if we think about the Christmas nativity as being a story about surprise, of surprises riddled throughout the story, then the cat is out of the bag. And right away, it looks like a major blunder that of all the places the Magi could go in this long trip coming from the east, which house do they go to first? Who do they ask first for directions? But Herod. And as we looked at last week, Herod being the menace that he was, this is sort of like something out of a horror movie at this point when people are trying to hide from some insane clown and they go running into the garage to hide from the clown. And we know sitting out in the audience that the clown is in the garage. Don't go in the garage. And we see the, the Magi running up to this house and knocking on Herod's door and we're screaming at the screen, don't go, of all the places you could go, they look like bumbling idiots. They look like the three stooges coming out of the scene, going to Herod's house of all places. One of the keys of a great surprise is keeping it, keeping it secret until the time of the reveal. One of the keys of a, of, of a great surprise is making sure you don't let the cat out of the bag. And the, the wise men go and knock on Herod's door. I bet you the wise men are probably the kind of people who give away the punchline of the joke. The wise men are probably the kind of people who post spoilers about the new movie or new TV show before everybody's had a chance to watch it. The, the Magi are probably kind of people who eat their wings with ranch. <laughs> are the Magi just here to tip off Herod? Maybe. I think that's part of why they're here. I think Magi are partly here to notify Herod, the king of the Jews, that there is a new king in town and his days are numbered. But there's something else happening here. This is a week when we'd normally experience a lot of surprises. And at times in my life, I've been able to pull off some good surprises. I'm not necessarily, I don't consider that to be one of my gifts or one of my strengths, but I pulled off a few surprises over the years. Uh, my wife Tammy and I were married right after we graduated from college. And two and a half months after I, we graduated from college, right after we got married, I started into a 96 credit hour a master's program and she was supporting me and, and, and encouraging me and encouraged me throughout that whole process. Three and a half years, 96 credit hours. When we were all done with that, we were both relieved and glad that that season was behind us. And then an opportunity came along for me to continue my education. I was invited into a, a doctoral program, which is exciting and scary. It was going to be another four and a half years. That also involved an, a month away from home every year that I was a part of that program, which was a major sacrifice because at that time our kids were really little. And we had thought we'd made all these sacrifices. We thought that season was behind us. And now here came another season. All that to say, in the first 12 years we were married, I was in school for eight and a half years of those 12 years. Uh, and all the while, my wife in, being incredibly supportive. There were times when I wanted to quit, times when I thought it's just not worth it. And she was encouraging me and, and pressing me on to keep going. Well, in that season, when I was having to spend a month away from home every year, uh, we would know exactly when I had to leave and exactly when I could be back. And we put off me leaving until the very last moment and I'd get back as soon as I could. And there was one of those summers when I found out after I got to campus in Kentucky that the trip was actually a day shorter than we had initially been told. And I was going to get to come home a day early. And so I decided, right in that moment, I almost just called her and said, hey, good news, I get to come home a day early. I thought it'd be a lot more fun to surprise her. 
And so the whole month, I'm just sitting on this surprise, knowing that this is coming at the end of the month. And, and then the week came, and when are you coming home? Yep, coming home on, on Saturday. It's not gonna be, I can't wait till Saturday. I can't wait to get home, all the while knowing that I'm driving home on Friday. And the morning comes when I'm leaving. Yep, I got class all day today. Probably won't be able to talk very much because I'm going to be in class, but tomorrow I'll be home. And, uh, and then that day I'm driving home all the way. But that time we lived in North Collins, just a little bit south of here. And I'm driving from Lexington, Kentucky, all the way up to North Collins, New York. And finally, I got within the city limits without spoiling the, the surprise, without somehow tipping her off. And I thought, how do I now reveal this surprise? I've been sitting on this thing for a month. How do I reveal the surprise? And I decided if I just pulled in the driveway and, and walked in the door, she might see me before I see her. And I really wanted to see her reaction. So I called her up around the corner from our house. At that time, I was pastoring a church that we live next door to. And I said, hey, I'm in class, got a quick break. Can you run over to my office and get something out of my office for me? And because she's the best wife in the world, she said, of course, hung up the phone. And as she stepped out of the house and started walking over the church, I pulled in the driveway and got to watch the full reveal and the full reaction as she first was puzzled at why a car looking like mine is pulling in. And then the full reaction of, oh my goodness. And I pulled in, shut off the car, got out, gave her a hug. And she said, what are you doing here? What are you, don't you have class? What are you doing here? And it's as if in this passage... When the Magi show up, it's like the Bible is encouraging us, is beckoning us to ask that question. What are you doing here? What are you doing here? This doesn't make sense. There must be something happening here. What are you doing here? And perhaps the clue to what they're doing here is the gifts that they bring, which they're famous for. Look at verse 9 where it says, After they had heard the king, they went on on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they were overjoyed. And on coming to the house, they saw the the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and of frankincense and myrrh. What do these gifts represent? One of the ways that people often look at this passage and the meaning of the Magi is that their gifts must have some kind of meaning. And, And there is possibly beautiful meaning behind these gifts. The gold representing that Jesus is the king of kings and lord of lords. There's no one higher. The frankincense representing that he is our great high priest who intercedes on our behalf, a great high priest who knows our temptations, knows our weaknesses, and intercedes on our behalf and is sympathetic toward us. And the myrrh, which would be an embalming agent, an odd gift for a child, but not an odd gift for the suffering servant, the son of man who came to suffer in our place the Lamb of God who came to take away the sins of the world. And so there's a, a, a perspective that that's the clue to what the Magi are doing here, tipping off the, a, a, a sort of a living prophecy of Jesus as our great high king, Jesus as our great high priest, and Jesus as the Lamb of God who came to take away the sins of the world. But there's something else happening here. Essentially, this is the story about a, a child who was born in a specific place in a specific time, in fulfillment of a specific prophecy in a specific family tree. The shepherds make sense because shepherding is is prevalent throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament as one of the ways that God tells us how he feels about us and how he relates to us, that he loves the image of a shepherd. And this happens throughout the Old Testament and throughout the Old Testament prophecies and the Psalms. And Jesus picks up this imagery of shepherding as a way of saying, this is how I feel about you. I am your shepherd. I will herd you in. 
And, and so the shepherd showing up, that makes sense. The angels make sense because, of course, angels are there at many of the most important times of, of biblical history when, when God is, is revealing himself and angels. In fact, the word angel actually just means a messenger of God, someone who's speaking on God's behalf. And so even the angels make sense. Mary and Joseph make sense. They're part of the line of David. And, of course, Jesus had to come in fulfillment of the line of David as, as, a, member of, as a son of David in, in a certain sense. Even, even Herod makes sense. Because Herod was the most dominant figure in the landscape at that time. So even Herod makes sense. But the Magi don't make any sense. They don't even make it there on time. And when we look at, at, at when this happened, most scholars believe that the Magi actually showed up about 30 or 40 days late. Sometime within that window. They weren't even there on time. They, weren't, they made it late. Something's unusual happening here. Something's weird here. They, they show up. They're bizarre. They don't fit. They don't make sense. There's something unusual happening here. Unless, surprised out-of-town visitors only make sense if Christianity was never meant to stay put in Bethlehem. It's as if the Bible places the Magi here as this odd, unusual trio, or however many there were, of out-of-town guests to make us ask, what are you doing here? And here's what they're doing there. Pointing out to us, reminding us that Christmas is built for out-of-town guests. Christmas is built at its very core. Part of the DNA of what we're celebrating at Christmas is that Christmas was built for out-of-town guests. Everyone in Galilee, everyone in Bethlehem that night would have thought this, everyone who was aware of it would have thought, this is for us. This is for us. This is for the insiders. This is for those of us who are part of the line of David. This is for those of us in Bethlehem and Nazareth and, and throughout Galilee and Jerusalem and that area. This is for us. But if the news about Jesus was only local good news, then it wasn't the good news. But the news about Jesus was the good news. And a wonderful thing happened in Bethlehem that day. But it wasn't meant to just stay in Bethlehem. It was meant to, to go to the ends of the earth. And one of the things that the Magi represent here is all of us who come from the ends of the earth are represented there at the Nativity through the Magi. When we compare Christianity, by the way, to other religions in the world, every other major religion in the world is concentrated in one major continent or region. At least 60% of all the other major adherents of major religions live in one specific geographical region, but that's not true of Christianity. 99% of Hindus live in Asia. 98% of Buddhists live in Asia. 60% of Muslims live in Asia, with another 20% in the Middle East and in Africa. But Pew Research said that there's no single continent or region that can indisputably claim to be the center of Christianity because we are everywhere. Take a look at this. Uh, and throughout the world, this is the, the spread of Christianity throughout the whole world. 24% of Christians live in Africa. 24% of Christians live in South America. 22% live in Europe. 18% live in North America. And 12% live in Asia and the Pacific. Whereas every other major religion has at least 60% of their adherents in one specific geographical region, we are virtually evenly distributed through the entire world. As J.D. Greer says, Christianity, statistically speaking, has no dominant culture. No other religion in the world can say that they are spread throughout the whole world the way that we are. And I think one of the most convincing proofs of the truth and veracity of the Christian faith is that you can find thriving Christians in Korea, in Kenya, in California, in Cairo, in Canada. We are everywhere. The good news that came in Bethlehem that night was not meant just for the people in Jerusalem and Judea, though it was meant for them. It was also good news for everyone in Canada and Mexico City and Sioux City, Iowa. 
Because from the start, his movement was never meant to stay put. From the start, his movement was never meant to sit still and be quiet. From the moment, from the start, his movement was never meant to stay in one place. From the start, his movement was meant to make outsiders insiders. And when we, sorry about that. And when we see the Magi in this Christmas story, it's begging us to say, what are they doing here? And what they're doing here is reminding us that Christianity always has its arms out, that Christ came for the whole world, not just for people in this specific place. And Christmas carols will be sung this week on guitars and drums and pianos and organs. Christmas carols will be sung in cathedrals and churches and chapels and arenas and hospitals and huts and storefronts and house churches. Because when you ask what it means to be a Christian in 2020, you can't point to one region, you can't point to one nation, you can't point to one city and say, that's what it looks like, that right there. You can't point to one continent, you can't even point to one hemisphere because we are everywhere. And it all began with some wise men who came from the east, made a long trip, got there late and said, where is he? Where is he? We know something's up. Something has happened. We saw his star. Show us where he's at. What are the Magi doing here? What are you doing here? They're here to show us that we are all out of town guests at Christmas who have been made to feel at home. We are all out of town guests who have been welcomed in you belong. The Magi stick out like sore thumbs. Compared to everybody else at the scene, they're weird, they're odd. They don't quite fit. We all know what that feels like. It stinks to be the odd duck. It's painful to be in a situation and want so desperately to belong, and yet, no, you don't. We all know that odd feeling of not quite fitting And the primary way that Christianity has spread throughout the whole world the way it has is not through major missionary endeavors, though that's been a part of it. Is not by sending people overseas, though that's been a part of it. Is not by by people selling everything they own and going to some foreign country and learning the language, though that's been a part of it. And that's been a major part of why the church has grown and and that's a big part of something that we do and we support missionaries all over the world. I'm not saying that's not important, but that's not the primary way that the gospel is spread. The primary way that the gospel has spread throughout the whole world, the primary reason why Christianity is so uniquely distributed through every continent, through virtually every nation, is because we have made a little room right where we are. Because we who are outsiders and have been welcomed in continue to welcome other people in and make a little room and show a little hospitality right where we are. We get in on the celebration of Christmas by practicing hospitality right where we are. And so typically, it's December 20th. This would be really easy in a typical year to say, so this week, when your mother-in-law comes to visit, be a good host. When you go to visit your in-laws, be a great guest. To, to be patient with your weird cousin who's hyper-opinionated. Be, be patient with your uncle who likes to take off his shoes and socks and wiggle his toes on your sofa. Be patient with all those people. Love the people you love and love the people who you're glad you want to see again until next Christmas. And typically this would be the way we'd say, go get them, folks. Go love them. Go love the people you spend your day with. But 2020. <laughs> this, the nature of our times means that Christmas is going to look a little different this year. And a lot of that, you know, I miss Christmas concerts. I miss all the, the, the parties and gatherings that normally be part of a celebration like this. I mean, our, 
Buffalo Bills just won the AFC East for the first time in 20. I was a teenager. Yeah, let's hear that. AFC East champs for the first time in 20. I was a teenager the last time the Bills did that. I feel like a young man all over again. It's a, it's a, and it's such a weird thing to have the season play out with, with an empty stadium. All these large gatherings have been cut down, are put on hold. We can't do the big stuff. But in a year like this, small gestures still go a long way. Bjorn Webb, our, our sports and wellness director, was telling me a story about something that happened here in the South Downs not too long ago. There was a young woman in our community who uh, played soccer at, at one of the nearby colleges in the, in the South Towns and, and was, a, was an, a big athlete, strong athlete through her college years. And not too long ago, was unfortunately diagnosed with a pretty significant brain tumor. And uh, as she went through surgeries, multiple surgeries to, to get rid of that tumor and for treatment for that, uh, after a series of surgeries, she had her final surgery a year ago this month. And by the time they were all done through the, both the surgeries and the tumor, she had lost most of the use of her right arm and had lost the ability to speak and had to enter into rehab to learn how to speak again and, and to regain use of her arm and, and just to fight back, to get back everything that that tumor and the surgeries had taken away from her. And it was an arduous process, a grueling process. And you know that sometimes when somebody's gone through something like that and they've lost a lot due to an illness or injury or, or other kind of trauma, oftentimes there are those, those things that you, the normal everyday things you want to achieve, those normal everyday things you want to get back, but then sometimes there's just something fun that they want to do that's a goal on their radar that I just want to be able to do that again. For her, it was she wanted to play soccer again. She just wanted to play soccer again. She got connected with a group of young adults from here. And in early November, across the parking lot, over at the hub, fully masked, all the precautions in place at that time, she played soccer again. Because a group of people from among us made a little room, made a little space, made her feel like, you can come. Well, you, can tr you can trust us. And they, they played the game in a way that she could feel comfortable playing it and made space. And when the night was over, she said, she, she couldn't say enough about how much it meant to her that the people here over at the hub made space for her, made a little bit of room for her to come and have that milestone moment. Probably none of us knew that that game happened. One of the most important soccer games that will ever happen in the South Towns this year. And it just happened because a few people here made a little bit of room. Changing schools is always hard. Our family moved this summer and uh, we, we lived, for, as I mentioned earlier, for eight years in, the, in North Collins. My wife and I are both from, from Western New York. We've lived our whole lives in Western New York, but moving this past summer from Houghton College here to the South Towns again uh, meant our four kids changing schools. And changing schools is never really fun. It's even less fun in 2020. And my heart has been really, frankly, really heavy for my four kids uh, as they've had to change schools in the middle of a pandemic with hybrid education and wearing masks every day. It's a difficult year to change schools. They've been troopers about it. They've been phenomenal. are so good about it. Doing great in school. We got their first report cards and I looked at those numbers and I, I didn't even know the numbers went that high when I was a kid. They're doing great. They've made the most of it and they've been really, uh, yeah, just champs about making the move. But about a month ago when, uh, when our school went back to hybrid education or went back to fully remote education, there was a day when my daughter, who's, uh, who's in high school, 
got a notification that there was a packet for remote education, packet of materials that they needed everybody in her grade to come to the school and get. And there was a narrow window of time to go to the school and get it. And we, because of our schedule, we just didn't make it there that day on time. And, and my daughters are real, all my kids are really dutiful students. They really want to get things done. My daughter in particular is really, she's got a great attention to detail. When, when some of the teachers in our old school found out we were moving, a couple of teachers said, why do all the good kids move away? And that's the kind of, I'm proud of my kids. They get that all from their mom. And so my, do- my daughter really was, she's eager to get this packet. And so she notified all of her teachers, hey, sorry, I couldn't pick it up today. We're going to try to get that first thing next week. Well, it turns out one of her, her teachers lives a couple doors down from us. And the teacher saw that Hannah hadn't been able to pick up that packet. She ran to the school, picked up the packet, pulled in our driveway. And we said, what are you doing here? And she came out with that packet and a package of Timbits. And it was Thanksgiving week. And she said, happy Thanksgiving. I'm glad you're in the neighborhood. And, you know, it was a small thing. A really small, sweet gesture. But as the dad of a girl who's a new kid in town, new kid at school, (laughs) a lot of the big stuff has been canceled this year and put on hold. But a lot of small gestures can still make a big impact. Hannah's teacher got in the car and drove down the street to her house and eventually the Magi went home too. It says in verse 12, having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. The wise men went home to their country by another route. And you can use that line later this week too. Where'd your sister go? She went home to her country by her another route. And we never hear from them again. Now it's our turn. Now it's our turn to put this into practice. Entertaining out-of-town guests and being an out-of-town guest is normally a part of life this week. And it's going to look different this year. But those small gestures still make a big difference. Those small little gestures can add up to one really meaningful impact. Maybe this year it's not a big gathering at your house. Maybe it's not a big carol sing, but maybe it's going over and shoveling your neighbor's front step or brushing off their car or a note to an elderly neighbor who you know is celebrating Christmas alone this year or a widow or someone who lives alone and just checking in. Just saying, hey, I see you. I notice you. I know. I can't imagine maybe what it's like, but I see you. Some of you will get to celebrate your Christmas with family and if you do, be careful. But whatever you do, kick around a soccer ball. Pick up a packet of Timbits. Be someone in someone's life who can help make sure that they know this week they are not alone. Make a little room in your life for somebody else this Christmas. And this table is the original table for making a little bit of room. Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, gathered with his disciples in the upper room, and when the meal was all over, when everything was done, Jesus said, oh wait, I've got one more surprise. In that room, by the way, if you're, if you're joining us online, maybe you knew to grab some bread or cup, but if, if you haven't yet, don't stay with us. Stay with us. 
Jesus that night at the table gathered around a big table and he made sure there's room for everyone there. Peter was there. Andrew was there. Thomas was there. Judas was there. And he made sure there's enough room for everybody there. And for the last 2,000 years, Christians have been saying, one more chair. We, We can squeeze you in. We've got room for you. No, we can make room. Pull in another chair. One more. One more. Yeah, we, there's room. There's plenty of room. Come on in. For 2,000 years, we've been filling out chairs around this table, making a little more room, making a little more room because that's what Jesus did. This is the ultimate table where Jesus gathered those around and said, you were once outsiders. Once you were enemies of God. Greater love has no one than this than to lay down their life for their friends. And what a mystery and a wonder that Jesus, while we were yet sinners, while we were yet enemies of God, laid down his life for us. That night at the table, Jesus took the bread that was at the table and he said, this is my body broken for you. Take and eat in remembrance of me. This is my blood poured out for the forgiveness of sins. Drink all of it in remembrance of me. God, we thank you that you are a way maker, that you are one who draws outsiders in, that you invite us to to lay down our burdens. And that wherever we've been, we who seek after you, we who, who love you and are seeking as imperfectly as we might can find our way home. Jesus, be with us, we pray. In in your strong name, amen. Let's lift our voices in song.